0: The Kaderna Podcast.
1: The Kaderna Podcast. The Kaderna Podcast. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm happy to have you joining us. Today is February 7th, 2020. And uh, we're already more than a month into a new decade, if you could believe that. So I hope you've been enjoying our recent episodes and also some of the uh, modifications we made with YouTube uh, so that if you want to watch and be a little bit more interactive, see some of our show notes and whatnot, um, definitely check us out there. And uh, it might just be an easier way sometimes to grasp everything and retain all the information we share, as opposed to a lot of my listeners that I know are just kind of doing it on their commute Um, tuning into Apple Podcasts primarily. So check us out anywhere, whichever is the easiest way for you to digest all this info, Um, all about having you on board. So keep spreading that good word and leaving us those nice reviews. So what are we going to be talking about today? I think this is, is a cool episode because we're really going back to basics, but this is almost going to be like your starter kit to everything you need to know in the world of finance. So what today's episode is defining financial jargon. This is something that I think is an epidemic in our industry, and both financial advisors and people actually in practice, like myself, as well as our folks in talking heads in media are also to blame for this, all right? There's a lot of terms that get thrown around, a lot of different acronyms, and eventually when we try and communicate that to the average Joe, there's going to be quite a bit that's lost in translation there. So what I want to do for the next 15 minutes or so is really take a deep dive into what all these different things really mean, kind of simplify it all so that next time you're in a conversation, you know, you're catching up with things. All right. And the reason I wanted to do this is I would consider myself like a a moderate car enthusiast. I I like, you know, watching, uh, you know, shows on how they build cars, sports cars, muscle cars, whatever it may be, uh, and reading some of the magazines on the latest technology that's used. And it's really entertaining to me, but sometimes when I, I just turn on the channel and, and you get lost in these experts talking about a naturally aspirated engine versus a turbocharger versus an EV or a hybrid and you know all the different ins and outs of what goes into a car engine, and you could get lost. And before you know it, 20 minutes went by and you thought it was something that was exciting and entertaining, but you walked away and you can't even tell your buddy what you were just watching. I find the same thing time and time again in finance so there's a corny little saying that I I sometimes use that you need sense to make dollars All right. so if what we're talking about doesn't make sense nothing is really going to be acted upon there's not going to be any improvement okay so I really want to take it back to a firm understanding of everything that's laid out on the table so that it does make sense you don't get lost in the weeds, and you're able to make decisions with your money. Okay. There's been many, many mistakes, sometimes the biggest mistakes in all of history were due to inaction, okay, in indecision. So some of those biggest mistakes were by people that froze. And they said, okay, there's choices to be made here. I don't know. So I'm not going to make a choice. I'll just kind of stay the course whatever that may be and usually that's not the best route towards improvement all right so i think we can all make a more confident decision when we understand the language that's being communicated all right so without further ado um, i want to run into some of the most common ones and this is a lot from like my clients that will listen to me for an hour and then go back to the first thing i said and say wait a minute what exactly does that mean again so we're gonna define these terms and uh, then we can certainly field questions as we always do and roll that info in future episodes, okay? So the very first one, when people think of finance, they think of investing, they usually think of stocks, okay? So what exactly is a stock? A stock is a, a portion of ownership of a company, okay? So a stock, which is sometimes referred to as a share of a company, Is you or your company or any other investor that says, okay, I want to buy a portion or a piece of Disney or Apple or Microsoft or whatever it may be. So I'm going to look them up on the internet or through my broker and I'm going to put my money into an account, into a brokerage account or whatever it may be. And then I'm going to invest that and purchase 10 shares of Apple or whatever the company might be. And then with that click of a button and that small investment that you've made, you are now actually an owner of that company, okay? Which is where you actually will be you know, able to have voting rights sometimes where you'll get these proxy letters in the mail and you'll get all the updates on what the company is doing and the board of directors. And you'll actually have a say in how that company should or should not be managed all right and then what's going to happen is you now have two opportunities to earn money in that instance so we bought a share of that company and now we can have both capital appreciation which means that the value of that company and their share price is rising so that maybe in the future we redeem those shares and we get our money back from them or you could possibly be entitled to a dividend which means that the company is being profitable and now they're saying at the end of the year or the quarter you know what we're going to declare a dividend and we're going to send some of our profits back to our shareholders okay so those are just a couple of the ways you can begin to actually make money with your investments and it all starts with buying a stock or a share of a company all right the next thing where do you buy these stocks all right you'll hear everywhere the stock market okay that's one of the most commonly thrown around terms uh, you know in any uh, financial literature or channel that you might tune into is the market So what exactly is the stock market per se? Well in short? It's an aggregation of buyers and sellers all right? where we can all come together with publicly traded stocks, which means that they're readily available on an exchange and I can redeem my shares or stocks, which means I'm going to sell them back and get my money And then on the opposite side, there's going to be a buyer saying, I want to invest or I want to buy those shares. And then you have this enormous marketplace of buyers and sellers all throughout the day, all around the world, investing or redeeming their shares. And then that's ultimately what creates the stock market as we know it. So when a lot of people just say, you know, the market, at least here in America, they're typically referring to the New York Stock Exchange. All right. That is kind of like the financial capital of the world, the NYSE or New York Stock Exchange. And in a minute, if you can bear with me, a lot of people define that by like the Dow or the S&P 500. We'll explain what those terms mean, how they kind of fit into the mix as well. But the New York Stock Exchange, right, this is where you used to see back in the day, all the people screaming, buy, 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 sell, 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 and throwing papers all over the place and guys running into each other all over the floor of the exchange. A lot of that doesn't really exist anymore, as so much has become automated. Um, But there was certainly a time where those brokers were running all over the place into each other, spilling papers and placing orders to buy shares or stock for their clients or sell those stocks. So the New York Stock Exchange was created in 1792. It's based in New York City, all right, on Wall Street, as we all know. And it's the largest exchange in the world. A lot of people in finance refer to it as the big board. Okay, that's been its nickname for quite some time. So trading on the New York Stock Exchange occurs between Monday to Friday, from 9.30 in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon. Alright, that's it. That's that's their whole workday for the stock exchange. You'd be shocked how many financial advisors I've worked alongside that don't know the hours of the stock exchange. It's 9 30 in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon. And nine thirty in the morning is when you hear that famous bell ring. Okay, and that's usually nowadays where it's just more of a show and they invite different companies up there sometimes celebrities or athletes just to ring the bell and kind of kick off the day's trading. So that's the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, just quick little note, the Intercontinental Exchange actually bought the New York Stock Exchange in 2013. And as of uh, this episode, the market capitalization of the NYSE is now over $28 trillion, according to Investopedia. So that's why it is the biggest in the world and why we all identify with it every day. The biggest stocks sometimes you could think of are usually traded there. So let's talk about the Dow. When people say, how's the market doing? Well, the Dow's up today 150 points, or it's down today 200 points. The Dow is probably the most commonly quoted index in the world. So what exactly is the Dow? The Dow is short for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, okay? The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index uh, that was actually created by Charles Dow and his investment partner, Edward Jones. And that was back in 1896 that those two gentlemen created this index. All right, since 1928, it's been made up of 30 companies, often the 30 largest companies in the world. Um, before that time, when it actually started by Charles Dow, it was just 12 companies, okay? Ever since 1928, it's been 30, all right? So who are those companies? Like I said, usually it's the largest, but it is not just a steady 30 largest companies in the world. You're in the Dow. That's not how it works. There's actually a committee that selects which companies should be entered into the Dow Jones Industrial Average, okay? Okay. And the way that that works is uh, you have this it's called the S&P Dow Jones Indices LLC, uh, which is the company that actually selects these 30 large cap stocks to make up the index. And when I mentioned earlier that it's a price weighted index, what they're actually doing is they take the share price of those 30 companies and then they add them all up and then they divide by what's called the Dow divisor. And then that's what's going to create uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, okay? Uh, as of this writing, if I could pull it up real quick, or excuse me, as of this episode, the Dow is trading just over 29000 okay? We're right around an all-time high, as you probably often see in the news. So that's the Dow. Quick little fun fact. The, what was the only remaining member of the Dow Jones Industrial Average just a few years ago they were in it since inception. If you want to guess, I'll give you a second. It's a company called General Electric, or GE. GE has fallen on some rough times as of late. And by virtue of that, they've recently been booted from the Dow. Okay. So they were proud to be, you know, the longest standing member of the Dow. Uh, but in 2018, they got the boot. They were actually replaced by Walgreens, okay? Walgreens Pharmacy. So another very commonly quoted, maybe not as often as the Dow, but definitely on the inside, all right, with financial advisors and brokers, um, a lot of people actually give more weight to this one would be the S&P 500. All right, similar to the Dow, the S&P 500 is a uh, index of the now 500 uh, large cap companies that can kind of give us a very broad diversification. Okay, again, not always the 500 largest though it often may be, but that's not how you actually get uh, input into the S&P 500. Again, there's another selection committee uh, that will go ahead and choose those 500 companies. Why did I say this one's actually used a little bit more amongst professionals than the Dow? Number one, it's 500 companies as opposed to 30. Okay, so we're seeing a much broader scope of the marketplace. And two, it's what's called a capitalization weighted index. What that means is we're actually taking the market cap of all of these companies. All right. So the market cap is going to be the share price times all of the shares outstanding. All right. So in a way, that's kind of like the total value in a way of that company. So we're going to take all those of these 500 companies tally them all up. And then we're going to use another divisor uh, of that total to come up with the S&P 500. All right. As of today, again, February 7th, 2020, the S&P is trading just over 3,300. Okay, also near all time high. So those are your two biggest indices. Um, Whenever you turn on CNBC or any other financial news, good chance you're going to see those or hear about them. The next thing right in line with that, another term I often hear thrown around by people and sometimes they have no idea what it means is blue chip stocks. A blue chip stock is just a nickname. That's not a technical term by any means. Uh, lots of times people call a blue chip stock something that either belongs in the Dow or the S&P 500. But what that nickname has been attributed to are companies that are very large and of very high quality with a long-standing history. Okay. supposedly companies are kind of like the bellwether of the entire economy or stock market. So where that came from is back in the day when people played poker, before we got into a lot of different fancy collectible sets out there, there were three chips that you would play with red, white and blue. All right. The colors of our flag. And in theory, blue was always the most expensive chip. So when poker players would sit together, they'd say, all right, white chips are a buck red chips are a nickel or five dollars and then your blue chips are worth 20. the blues were the most valuable and that's why we have that term a blue chip stock they are the most valuable okay so that's a little bit about the stocks Um, next what i want to get into is some of the different terminology you'll hear thrown around in the economy the first one and again it's funny sometimes when i hear people confuse the two a bull market and a bear market They both sound like these big, awesome animals. Is one better than the other? All right, so this you definitely wanna know because you don't wanna hear some recommendation and interpret it as its opposite. A bull market is a good thing. Bull market means that we think the, the markets are going up. Okay, so that's a very positive outlook. All right, so it's a market in which stocks are rising. Now it's not a uh, technical definition, but what it's usually referred to as is going to be a 20% increase following a 20% decrease and preceding another 20% decrease, okay? So that's a bull market. What that essentially means is the market had gone down, okay, 20% or more, okay, so perhaps a recession. And then the market started to rebound, and on that rebound, it went up over 20%. And then it had sustained that growth until it ran into another 20% decline. So that period of growth and stabilization within the middle there of those two troughs, that would be a bull market. Okay. Currently, as I speak to you guys, we are in the longest bull market in history. OK, it started in March of 2009 and has continued all the way to today, which is February 2020. All right. So we're looking at, you know, about 11 years of a bull market, All right, which a lot of investors have thoroughly enjoyed. On the other side, bear market. All right. Bear is the bad term. That's what we want to avoid. A bear market is one in which stocks are falling. OK conversely to the bull market, a bear markets typically defined as a 20% drop from those highs, okay? So that's what's either coming before or after the bull, okay? So we're either in one or the other. We're in the bull where we're up and stable, or we're in the bear in which we've declined and we're not yet climbing out of it, all right? So the bear is the down market. So when someone says on the news, you know, I'm feeling pretty bearish about that company, they are anticipating that it's gonna you know hit a tough time and start to tumble and that that share price will decline that's what the bear market is all right the worst bear market ever just some trivia for you guys it was in the great depression all right 1929 it lasted almost three years and it cut off over 83 percent of the s p 500 all right so just imagine that if you had a thousand dollars back then in the s p 500 in just a few short years, your $1,000 went down to about $150, bucks. All right? So that's, that's incredible. I mean, obviously, one of the worst times in our country's history. That was a bear market. Next, let's get into some of these uh, vehicles that you might hear about in the investment world. The first one I'm going to define is what's called a mutual fund, Okay often used. Most people have them and they don't even know that they have them. So let's talk about what a mutual fund is and how you can use it in your plan. A mutual fund is essentially a financial vehicle of pooled money. And then there's going to be a professional money manager at the top. So what that's going to do is it offers, or the theory is, it's going to offer an individual investor much greater diversification and management with a smaller amount of money. Okay, so greater diversification and management than we could just do kind of on our own. All right, just picking individual securities or stocks. So that pooled money, what we're doing is we're kind of getting the analogy as a small slice of a big pie. You're saying I'm an individual investor. I've got $10,000 that I can invest. That's only going to buy me a handful of shares of Amazon right now or Apple. So I want to do a lot more than that. I, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. So now what you can do is pool your $10,000 with all these other investors and then you're with that fund family and then you can track a certain sector and have, you know, a team of investment managers at the top of the mutual fund that now have millions or in some cases billions of dollars that they're investing across what could be 20 stocks or it could be 400 stocks. All right, So that's what a mutual fund is. It's typically an actively managed fund. And then the investor is going to pay a fee uh, to that mutual fund. All right. And I'm not going to get too much into that, but typically what you'll see is an expense ratio, sometimes called a 12 B one fee that's built into the mutual fund. And then there could also be loads in there as well, which could be like a commission to your broker or to your advisor, depending on what share class that they use and a variety of other factors. Okay. So that's what what mutual funds are. Um, they've been around for quite some time now. Um, the first if I could just again, share some some info with you guys, some trivia. The first uh, modern day mutual fund was called the Massachusetts Investor Fund, uh, which was founded in 1924. Okay. So 1924, we had one mutual fund to select from. In today's day and age, there are now well over 9000 mutual funds. Okay. Uh, with BlackRock being the largest asset manager in the world, um, you'll see a lot of them, uh, a lot of their mutual funds out there, I should say. Uh, but that's uh, that's kind of the the marketplace today. So a lot of people now are confused, saying, "Hey, there's about as many mutual funds as there are underlying stocks. How do I pick them?" And then that's where you have to do quite a bit of research, uh, whether it be in your 401k or any other investment platform. Okay. The next thing, kind of transitioning more to to modern day, if you will, uh, the, the new kind of, I don't want to say fad because it's something that's certainly here to stay, is what's called an exchange traded fund or an ETF. Very similar to a mutual fund in that this is now going to be another financial vehicle made up of pooled money. So we have individual investors or companies or 401k plans that are now investing with many, many, many other investors out there too. And what's going to happen in this case is the ETF is actually uh, trading like an individual security. Okay, so it's traded on an exchange, and you can buy and sell that throughout the day, just like you would a stock. All right, which you can't do with a mutual fund. Mutual fund is essentially before or after close is when you're going to be able to redeem those shares. All right, so it's a little bit more liquid in that respect. That you have more flexibility during the day with an ETF. Uh, One of the other things, too, is most ETFs are designed to track an underlying index. Okay, so that's where you might see an ETF that just tracks the S&P 500 or maybe the, uh, you know, Russell 1000 or a tech sector or emerging markets. And typically they are more passive in nature than the mutual fund, which is more active. All right. That's the easiest way to kind of separate the two. Often more professional management in the mutual fund, hence slightly higher fees, and usually less management, if any, in an ETF, and hence their lower fees. Okay, that's where people will go back and forth. What's better, the mutual fund or the ETF? Uh, We could save that for another day. All right, but that's your your exchange traded funds. They began in the nineteen nineties, so they're still relatively new, you know, compared to everything else, and. you know, definitely here to stay though. We see more and more mutual fund money transition into ETFs every year, okay, as of late. And then the last two t- terms I want to share in the investment world with you guys is what's called long and short. All right, so when I'm long something, uh, that means that again, I'm positive or I'm bullish on that. When I long something, it means that I have a positive amount of that investment and I expect whatever that financial instrument is to increase in value, okay? So like, let's say that I'm long uh, uh, Disney, okay? So that means that I'm actually buying a positive investment in Disney, and I own it, and I'm expecting that price to hopefully increase so that I can make money off of that in the future. That's what it means to long a stock or any position to short is the exact opposite. So short is a negative term. That's where I'm expecting it to lose value. How you actually short a stock, this is kind of confusing, but in short, no pun intended, what you're doing is an investor is borrowing shares, all right, from an institution and then immediately selling them. And then they're hoping that the price is going to drop and then they can repurchase those same shares Uh, at a lower price and return them to that lender for an immediate profit, okay? Shorting is often considered very dangerous by a lot of professional investment managers, and the reason being is that there's no limit to your loss. Think about it, if I go buy ABC stock for $10 a share, all right, and I'm long that share, meaning I'm buying it and I, I own a positive interest in it, my maximum loss, is whatever I put in $10 a share, it can't go below zero. All right, that's as far as it could fall. And then it goes bankrupt. And I lost my money I put up. When you short a company, there's on the flip side, if it doesn't go down, it goes up, there's no limit to how high that could go. All right. So as that goes higher and higher and higher, that investor now has that much more exposure to a potential loss. Uh, which is why a lot of investment you know managers out there even warren buffett is known for this are 100 percent opposed to shorting a position essentially betting against the market or that stock okay so hopefully i didn't muddy the waters anymore today but uh, i hope that you now have a better understanding of the financial terms that you're going to hear day in and day out whether you're in the business or you're not There is not a day that goes by where you pick up the Wall Street Journal, you turn on Fox Business, and you're going to hear pretty much everything I just said 100 times over. So these are really kind of the building blocks to a financial conversation, in particular an investment conversation. So hopefully now you understand them and uh, now you can make sense of what you're hearing. And as I always say, now you can make sense and you can make dollars. All right. If for nothing else, you can sound cool and throw around fancy terms now at the next cocktail party or your Super Bowl party next year or whatever it might be. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Please keep spreading the good word. We're all about achieving wealth and its original meaning, a state of well-being. And it starts with you guys telling your friends, your family, leaving a review uh, so that we can just get more and more traction over the airwaves. All right. I can't wait to see you next week and uh, enjoy the weekend. Take care.
0: The Coderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be wrought upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the Social Security Department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Coderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Pass. 300 Broad Acres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. Nine 732444420. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of PASS or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA, SIPC. California Insurance License Number OK 04194. Content of the Kaderna Podcast is copyrighted of Brian and Kaderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Kaderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.